With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We made this. Welcome to One Rules Them All, a brand new Lord of the Rings podcast for the We Made This podcast network. I'm your host, Baz Green, and joining me in this adventure across Middle-earth is my co-host, Luke Winch. Luke, how are you? Greetings and salutations. This is an, this is an exciting adventure that we've... Uh, well, it's either an exciting adventure or we've just basically um, added another podcast to our responsibility. <laughs> well, quite possibly, yeah. So, um, yeah... <laughs> We're, we're both huge Lord of the Rings fans, but also huge Babylon 5 fans. And um, yes, we've, we've recently launched our Babylon 5 podcast, A Dream Given Form. So I plugged for that as well. And that went live um, in March. So um, this is our second podcast. <laughs> so yeah, we, 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 we obviously were a glut of punishment or we just love these, uh, love Lord of the Rings and Babylon 5 so much that we can't not resist talking about it. So, um, well, A Dream Given Form is, is, is one that we are, because it's much more of a regular endeavour. You know, we're going to have monthly episodes this year, very some specials as well, like my. Um, Patricia Torman interview, so plugging that there as well. And the next year, we're going to a much more regular, fortnightly in depth uh, look at the uh, TV show. Whereas I think One Rules of More is a bit more of an ad hoc endeavour, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, we've got the TV series starting in September, um, but I mean, we couldn't really resist revisiting the Peter Jackson trilogy, really. I mean, it was yeah. any excuse to talk about those films, I am all in for it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all for this. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it's it's um it's a bit of a mix, isn't it? Yeah. So um, head honcho, we made this network. Tony Black asked us if we would uh, launch this podcast alongside a Dream Game Form and all other podcasting endeavors, and we're like, yeah, absolutely. We we've got to talk about Lord of the Rings. So yeah. So um, this prime episode is going to go out now, and then I think we're going to have a few occasional episodes before the series that comes out in September. So we're going to be uh, we're going to start by looking back at the uh, original Peter Jackson trilogy, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. And I'm really looking forward to kind of delving into them. Mm. Um, yeah, Tony Black's really good at saying, oh, I've got a great idea for a new podcast and then handing it off to other people so he doesn't have to do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, as you said, Baz, we are suckers for um, Lord of the Rings. There's a lot of linkage between uh, Babylon 5 and Lord of the Rings anyway. So mm-hmm. it's two kind of fandoms that we are kind of very much... Um, involved in so yeah this is going to be a really a really fun really fun endeavor i think and you know as you said looking at these at, at, at the original peter jackson trilogy i think we're going to stay clear of the 
Hobbit trilogy, are we? Or are we going to do them at some point? I don't I know. I think we'll do it at some point. I mean, I'm quite, I would quite like to look at more across Lord of Rings fandom. So obviously we're a big mm. fan of the books and we'll talk about that in a moment as well. But um, I, I think we're going to look at the three Lord of the Rings movies before the Rings of Power come out in September. Then we're obviously going to look at the series. Um, I, I would like to actually look at the Hobbit movies again. Um, mm. I, I'm, I'm a fan of the Hobbit. I like them, but I don't love them as much as I love the Lord of the Rings movies. And um, there's probably more to talk about there. And I'd like to talk about some of the other stuff as well. You know, Ralph Batchke's animated version of the mm. 70s. And, um, you know, maybe the um, BBC radio adapt- adaptations of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. And there's, there's, there's so many things out there that I think it'd be good. I mean, maybe even the books themselves. We, we can do a bit of a a deep dive or look at some particular characters or, or you know, context around it. You know, maybe the Tolkien movie. You know, we, there's, there's so many things we could do, um, which is quite exciting. But we are we are going to keep it fairly streamlined, aren't we? We're going we're gonna, to... We've got this primer going out now. Then I think oh, between now and September, we're probably going to release just three episodes, each one looking at the original Lord of the Rings movies, and then we'll do the TV series and then see where we go from there. It's, it's not going to be... This is not going to be a weekly fortnight or even necessarily a monthly release. It's going to be something we're going to do on a hand talk basis. But mm. as, as you said, uh, The Rings of Power is such a big TV series that we wanted to give it its due and give it its focus, but obviously look more around the, the world of, of Tolkien's um, Middle Earth as well. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting to look at the social media response as well because mm. there's, been a, there's been a real divide uh, between Tolkien fans about this new series and you know how Amazon Prime is approaching it, and you know the way kind of you've got Bezos, who apparently is a massive Lord of the Rings fan, so he's kind of he's obviously had a big hand in in the decision to adapt the source materials into this new TV series. I mean, the source materials include the Silmarillion, which deals with a lot of the Second Age stuff and also a lot of the appendices. So there's, there is plenty of source material to mine mm. from. And I think people are worried about, oh, you know, there's only a little tiny bit that they, that they can actually get from and they'll make up too much and it'll all be rubbish. There's actually a lot more source material than mm. people realise. There's a lot of unpublished material yeah. that, uh, that Christopher Tolkien has used to, to continue the kind of lore and culture of of the Lord of the Rings universe, the Middle Earth world. So there is a lot to mine from. So it's going to be interesting looking at the kind of fans and, and the social media perspective. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's, um, yeah, there's that divide. Almost like the purists who go, you know, you can't touch the material. But they said that about the films. And I think general yeah. consensus is that Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings trilogy is magnificent. I think there's generally yeah. a very, very positive um, attitude towards those when they came out and they're still is today and they're greatly highly regarded the hobbit is a, is a different story and we can, we'll get onto those in the future but mm. you're right there, there is so much material i think the um what i understand they only technically have the rights to the lord of the rings and the appendices so i think a lot of what we're getting from the rings of power is coming from the appendices which obviously does tie into the silmarillion but i don't think they've actually got the rights to that so um i mean have you read the silmarillion yeah i have i mean I think they're going to, I think if they go in the direction I think they are, they're going to have to take stuff from the Silmarillion because mm. a lot of that deals with Galadriel yeah. uh, and Kellen Brimbor and, the, you know, that, that first War of the Ring and the Rise of Sauron, all that is dealt with in the Silmarillion. Mm. It, it's only really dotted around the appendices. So it's going to be really interesting how they how they approach that for the TV series because if, if they can't use anything from the Silmarillion, they're not going to have a lot to go <laughs> on and they're going to have to make changes that, that will understandably upset fans. So I, I hope they do have the rights to certain elements of the summary. And otherwise it's going to be, 
it's going to be a bit sparse on actual lore. Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into a bit more of a discussion on The Rings of Power, let's talk about Lord of the Rings. So how old were you when you first read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings? Oh, weirdly enough, I actually didn't read The Hobbit until fairly recently. Um, but The Lord of the Rings I read when I was probably 14 or 15. Right. Um, it was it was the first book that my brother, who who kind of introduced me to fantasy and science fiction, he kind of plonked this massive tome down on the table mm. and said, "Right, read this. This is your education." And uh, you know, I've I've been a fan ever since. I think I think at the time I didn't really appreciate a lot of the allegory and the symbolism and the themes mm. that run through it. You kind of get that when you're much older and you read the book again. Um, I try and read the Lord of the Rings book, the trilogy, uh, every year. I try and do an annual read. Um, as well as doing a, a annual rewatch of the of the film trilogy as well, I always do it with a marathon with with some friends or my mum, uh, who's also a huge fan. So, it's 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 a it's a staple literature in my life, and it's always I, I always revisit it in some way or another every year just to kind of keep it in. You know, it it it, it is the daddy of modern fantasy and every modern mm. fantasy. I mean, modern fantasy now is incredibly different. To what Lord of the Rings is, but that was the starting point, and that's where it's all—it's all kind of evolved and branched out into new areas. So it's—it's it's a very important piece of fantasy literature, and I think—I think people who come into fantasy now, like younger people coming into fantasy now, who read modern fantasy, they struggle with Lord of the Rings, the book, because mm. the language is very old-fashioned. It's—it's it's very kind of old English in a way, and I think people struggle with that. But uh, but. Because I got into it at a very young age, I, I have an appreciation and love for the text and, and the kind of language he uses. Now, I, I get that. I actually read Dune last year, just before the film came out. And it was one that, for me, it was a little bit hard going sometimes because mm. the style was very different. But that's how I can understand how it must be like because a brilliant material. And I love the Dune film, but this, the book itself was hard going at times. Um, for me to get into because obviously the star was writing but Lord of the Rings I mean, I mean I would love to say I've read it regularly uh, you always astound me the amount of time you put into reading I, I, I wish I had enough time to I mean I, I know I write some books and I've got um, I've got kids and various things going on as well but it's like I would love to read as much as you do I'm always <laughs> inspired by the amount you get through but yeah Lord of the Rings to me is really age 10 I mean I, I'd read The Hobbit when I was a kid I remember reading The Hobbit and uh and then it was I, was, I was 10 years old and the Ralph Bakshi version, the animate, the cartoon Lord of the Rings film came on, it was on Channel 4. And I remember watching it and going, what is this? This is amazing. And the black rides and stuff. Mm. And the next day, went down to the uh, local library and picked up The Fellowship of the Ring. I read it in three, three, basically in the three books. And from then on, and this is me age 10, reading, reading Lord of the Rings. And then from then on, I was going back every single week and getting another book. And I spent a large part of that part of my childhood in local libraries in the kind of the fantasy sections you know the kind of stuff that was you know was beyond my age group but that's what I was reading that's how I got into fantasy and that's how I got into writing fantasy I wrote my first fantasy epic the Crystallian when I was about 11 years old and I lost all the chapters when I moved house and I was gutted but yeah. I've written I've um I've got I've been published now and I, I need to afford to get published but um and it's dot two related spin off, which I love writing for, but fantasy words with my heart, and that comes from Lord of the Rings. And I, I've um, written like three fantasy novels that I would love to get published one day. I'll probably mm. do new stuff now, but that is where my heart is, and that goes back to Lord of the Rings at ten and just discovering it and and my world opening up. And Lord of the Rings is 
where I say I got my love of of writing came from, my love of reading came from. Really, I always loved to read as a kid, but something opened up for me when I read Lord of the Rings. And yeah, I haven't actually read the the trilogy for quite a few years, and I'm quite keen to get back into it. But it's um, it is and probably always will be my favorite book. I I love Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I I, I got a, a beautiful uh, hardback special edition for Christmas for Lord of the Rings, which has got um, the, the 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 elvish inscription of the ring oh, yeah. like, inscribed on the edges of the pages, uh, and it's got some wonderful illustrations from Tolkien throughout the book as well. So that I mean that's an excuse just to read the book again. It's just to read it from that book. I, I've got several editions, but I'm going to read it from this new hardback edition. Oh yeah. I know the one, and I'm very, very strongly hinting to my wife, Jem, that my ber- <laughs> when my, on my birthday, have you seen this version? This version is beautiful. It would look good on our bookshelf, so aesthetically it would look great as well. Oh, yeah. Because I do, I'm, one of the reasons, this, you is a travesty now, one of the reasons I haven't read Lord of the Rings as much is because the book I've got is falling apart. I got a hardback version when I was at uni, and then my friend borrowed it, and when it came back, half the spine was missing. <laughs> it's like what have you done what have you done and it kind of sits there with the kind of the dust dust cover on it with the classic one with, with um gandalf on the front yes. and um it sat there but i kind of don't want to pick it up because it will fall apart because my friend just ruined the ruined it literally the, <laughs> the, the, the spine is gone and half the front is gone i don't know what he did to it but um I, anyway he read all the things and he enjoyed it so successful in that respect but yeah, yeah so i kind of it sits there gathering dust a little bit but um, yeah maybe i need a new version to get really get back into it so what about the um, film adaptations? What were your reactions when they came out back in uh, 2000 and 2002? Oh, I loved them. I mean, I, I didn't have many qualms about it at all. I, I, I remember going to see all three of them at the cinema with my mum and my girlfriend. And particularly with the Return of the King was a very memorable experience, simply because I don't think I've ever cried as much in a cinema as I did when I, when I watched Return of the King. Um, so that's a, that's an abiding memory of mine of, of 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 watching those, and it was it was revolutionary in terms of special effects, mm. of of the fact that he filmed all three films back to back, and that a studio, New Line Cinemas, actually wanted to do that. I mean, there's the old story if if anyone who's who's listening has watched all the all the documentaries that there's a story that. I think they went to, I can't remember which studio they went to first, but they pitched two movies. And then they were, they, they were rejected by like Warner Brothers and Paramount, all the, all the big studios. And then they went to New Line Cinema and they pitched the two films. Uh, um, and the guys that they were pitching to just looked at them and went, this, this is not two films. This is three films. Mm. And they were absolutely taken aback. They were like, they want us to actually do a trilogy of films. So... I mean, thank God that New Line went for that decision because yeah. I, I, I think I can't imagine it being two films and telling the story um, and actually doing the book any kind of justice. So mm. that was a, a fateful decision that day that they did that. So, it, yeah, it was, it, you know, it was a, um, a groundbreaking film, especially with the use of uh, models and CG work and kind of blending those mm. two together because it creates a tactileness and depth that i think hadn't been seen on film and i think the the the, the prequel trilogy of star wars came around came out around those times yeah, and i remember george lucas being the kind of lazy director he is just basically having everything cg so all mm. the actors were just in blue screen stages and it didn't look it looked 
cartoonish. It didn't look like look a computer real. game. It did yeah, look like a computer did. game so many times. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that Lord of the Rings look it looked it had a solidity and a, and a tactileness because they mm. because they merged those two different practical effects and, and CG effects and it just worked so well. Well, absolutely. I mean. The extras, you talk about the extras on the extended versions, which for me, the extended version is the only way to go for me as a big fan. I mm-hmm. we'll probably talk all those when we get into the films themselves, but there are hours and hours of wonderful extras into the, into the world building of it. And yeah, you see like things like they built the set like Edoras in Two Towers. They built Edoras, the entire set on a hill. Mm. They built these sets. They, the costumes are so elaborate. They, they actually, they blacksmiths making swords. You know, they, they, the, the astonishing amount of work that goes into that, into these movies that it, it looks over because it is real, because it's real costumes, it's real sets, it's real armor, it's mm. real, you know, and, and I think, I mean, watching it, Again, I watched Flash. I've watched Flash very recently. I've watched the whole trilogy again not long ago, and um, there's very, very few instances when you go, all oh, the effects look slightly dated. You see a slight distortion sometimes, and a couple of shots when you go, oh, okay, you know, it looked amazing at the time. It started age slightly, mm. but it's very far and few between. I mean, the, the CGI work is phenomenal, and and so yeah, the costume design and everything is is an, is an absolute joy. Yeah, and I think the films. I mean, the films. If you think about it. I mean, the Fellowship's 21 years old, I think, 21, mm. 22 years old. And I've watched it twice in, 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 the, in the past couple of weeks for this podcast. And it stands up against films that came out this year or last year and mm. actually looks even better than some films that came out this year and last Absolutely. year. So, you know, those special effects. It's like Jurassic Park. You know, the special effects in those films stand up to today's standards. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think Lord of the, Lord of the Rings trilogy will, will age better than the Hobbit trilogy, even though the Hobbit mm. trilogy came later, but he, you know, he went into a lot more CGI work than model work in those films. But we can come to that another day yeah. because he was under pressure because of the the exit of Guillermo del Toro, and you know, there, there was lots of factors involved in the fact of how why he had to make the film he why he had to make the films the way he did. Yeah, yeah. So, a couple more questions before we get into back into the Rings of Power. Then, so which Middle Earth adaptation is your favourite? Oh God. <laughs> Are you just talking about the trilogy of films or, or anything? Well, I mean, include The Hobbits as well. I mean, anything, yeah, the Ralph Bakshi version, the radio plays. What is your favourite adaptation of Lord of the Rings? Which which one? I think, I, I, this, is, this is so difficult. I love Fellowship. I really love Fellowship. But I think I love Two Towers just a little bit more because of Helm's Deep. I think Helm's oh, yeah, Deep is yeah. one of the most brilliantly realized battles i've ever seen put on film yeah and even though the return of the king battles are larger and more epic i think you that close quarters that grittiness that brutality of war and the consequences of war because you get the shots of all the women and children in in the caverns and and what happens during war i think that film grabs that more than any of the others and i i just really enjoy it and i love and i love the rohan and the rohirrim they're one of my favorite cultures in 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 middle earth so yeah i think the two towers just just tweaks it over the fellowship which is also you know i love that film uh for me it's a fellowship it, the fellowship of the ring is it's, it's a it's there are so many great pieces the, the black riders mm. the um everything in war yeah Sean Bean dying. <laughs> yeah, there, was, there were so many, so many magical moments in Fellowship of the Ring. And I think for me, it's when I saw that on screen for the first time. I was at uni and we were sort of a big group of friends. And open, I saw it three times at cinema and just seeing it come to life. And wasn't quite, quite, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't cry, but I was 
blown away just how mesmerised it was. Yeah. And uh, I, I've been watching um, Friendship for the last couple of days, and it's my it's my absolute favourite film. I think of all time. I, I just I love the fellowship so much. I love yep. the performances, the set designs, the story, the narrative, everything about it. It's a it's a perfect movie for me. So for me, it's a fellowship. Yeah, it, it's too hard to it's too hard to just. I mean, can't we just count all three of them as one? Big yeah, big yeah. Movie? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> what exactly? The yeah. trilogy is my favorite adaptation of the of Lord <laughs> of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. If we said the Hobbit, I think we might have switched off. I think, but uh... yeah. I think the second film, The Desolation of Smaug, actually has some great moments. And the whole conversation between Bilbo and Smaug is brilliant. It's, that it's, is good. It's, it's probably, but yeah. I would say that that's the weakest of the three movies. But that's not for a movie for another, mm. another day. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, I'd say the third is the weakest for me. But well, yeah, we'll come to that another day. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, let, let's get on to uh, The Rings of Power then. Haven't you ever wondered what else is out there? There's wonders in this world, beyond our wandering. I can feel it. So, um, obviously, we've had a trailer recently giving us our first look at the new show. Are you excited for the TV series? I am. I am. Because I get more on-screen Lord of the Rings. And mm. uh, I'm not going to bemoan that at all. We, you know, we, we've, we've had this trailer, which, um, when it comes down to it, doesn't really tell you a lot. It's just a no. lot of beautiful shots. But I'm really intrigued. And actually, I love the Second Age. I mean, like I mentioned earlier with the Silmarillion and the Appendices, I love all the stories during the Second Age. I love the stuff with Elrond and Galadriel and all the stories and, and the fall of Gondolin, all that stuff mm. I find absolutely fascinating. So I'm really excited to kind of delve into this age. And, um, and also, you know, as I understand it, we're going to actually get to see the forging of all the different rings, yeah, uh, which I'm really excited for because I think there's a lot of history uh, that that will be really interesting to see on screen, particularly with the three elven rings, yeah. Um, and then we're going to see the rise of Sauron and and maybe see Sauron in a form that we haven't seen him in before. So there's lots of things I think to really look forward to. Yeah, definitely. You've got the um, the rise and fall of Numenor, which is the uh, kind of Atlantis-like city of men. So it makes Gondor look like a kind of a truck stop. I think the idea <laughs> is, is a ma- ma- massive, massive um, civilization. It's kind of where Aragorn's line is descended from. So um, I think Ilsilda, who cuts the ring from Sauron's hand, is kind of going to be in it maybe towards the end. Um, oh, you get, get, Yeah, you get the forge of the rings. What I'm really excited, you're going to get Kaza do Moria in all its glory as well. Before that, I'm assuming the Balrog is going to turn up at some point in the TV show and just cause havoc because seeing Kazakh Doom in all its glory is, is going to be magnificent too. The, the one thing I was, when I saw the trailer and also a lot of the um, 
the stills and photography that they've shown mm. in various articles, the one thing I'm really looking forward to is really delving into dwarven culture yeah. and having more dwarves. And then the, there's a princess dwarf, so we're going to actually see a female dwarf as well. Yeah, Sophia Nomvit, I think is her name. Yes. Nomvet, I don't know pronounce that name, but yeah, she's playing a dwarven princess as well. So yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to see the dwarves and all their glory, because even in The Hobbits and obviously Lord of the Rings, it, it, you've seen the kind of the fallen empires. So seeing that in glory, same with the elves actually. I know we've had... Uh, we've had Lothlorien and Rivendell, but we're seeing, you know, there are these cities we're going to get. We're going to get um, Linden and Eragon as well. Um, mm. So we're going to get these big elven civilizations, and it's all going to build up to this last alliance of elves and men. I assume, I assume the series will, will end with the prologue from Fellowship of the Ring almost, but you know, it's going to be great. But uh, yeah. I, I'm great, you know, it's, it, there's some really interesting stuff there. You know, you've got um, Galadriel played by Mothing, Mothith Clark, I think you pronounce the name, and. Mm. Um, yeah, so we're going to much more of a younger kind of warrior uh, elven. Um, I'm not sure princess of what she's going to be as well, and his elf one's going to turn up as well. And and yeah, there's lots of other characters. And um, I know the series has, has been kind of um, it's had some stick, which I I, I find unbelievable. At the same time, bit, maybe yeah. it's just I, at the same time, maybe I'm not surprised at all about the the, the wokeness because you're having black elves on on the like what why 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 I don't I don't get it. But I mean that's that's the common on society. But I I, th- I think giving some more diversity is great because the one thing you can say about Tolkien, well, the, the era in which Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings, it's very white mountain heavy. You know that there's, mm. there's very little. There's you know the stereotype. The, the men from the East are kind of these these villainous characters as well, and there's very little female characters. So, and that's and the context of the time it was written. So the yeah. opportunity to bring some diversity in, into the show is great as well. Yeah, and I mean, and that's that's that kind of comes to the fore when you hear the voiceover of the of the um, young Harfoot. Mm. So you've got a female Harfoot. She's, you know, her voiceover really stamps the intention of this series and, and how it's going to bring the diversity of the modern era into, mm. into Lord of the Rings. People who bemoan that, it's not even worth listening to their conversations because yeah. they, are, they are obviously very close-minded people who I have zero time for. Um, I agree. So I am, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to, to bringing in fresh diversity, fresh look, a fresh kind of adaption to Lord of the Rings. I mean, we can get into this when we talk about uh, the Fellowship of the Ring and the kind of uh, pushing the character of Arwen to the forefront. Mm. Because in Lord of the Rings, there, there's literally hardly any female characters. There's Arwen and uh, and Galadriel and Eowyn. Eowyn, right. Yeah, yeah, got Eowyn. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Who's a, who's a, who's a real kind of iconic female character. She's like a proto-Printer Slayer in that, in mm. that kind of role, isn't she? So, no. The, the, what the, he had, even then, he still had a great female character. But yeah, yeah, having more of that would be great. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see Galadriel as a as a younger character. She's obviously, mm. she's obviously uh, an elf of action. She was a leader in the in the in the elven armies. So it's going to be really interesting to see her. And also, I mean, um, if I remember rightly, Kellen Brimbor, who is he is uh, a Noldorian prince from the line of the House of Feanor, um, he was he was integral into the forging of the Three Rings, yeah, yeah. and also fell in love with Galadriel as well. So it's going to be I think that's going to be right. a, a love story, and then to have Elrond kind of thrown into the mix as well is going to be really well. Absolutely, really interesting. You, you've got you've got these characters from the Appendices and Silmarillion. You've, you've got um, the High King Gilgalad played by Daniel Wayman. You've yeah. got um, yeah Robert Arameo playing Elrond. Um, 
Charles Edwards is playing Kellenbury Moore as well. You've got these other princesses. You've got um, Owen Arthur playing during the uh, during the fourth, the prince during the fourth of uh, Casadoom as well. So you're getting these characters that you've kind of heard about in legend and myth, kind of mm. being brought to life as well. Um, Max in Baldry is playing Aeor Silda, obviously a, probably a younger version of the yes. character. Obviously, we saw in in the, the Fellowship of the Ring as well. So yeah, it's and there's a, there's a plethora of cast and. You know, it's really exciting, and I'm I'm really um, intrigued to see where where the show goes. Yeah, and w- one of the other things that that certain sectors of the fandom were moaning at was they watched the trailer and went, "It doesn't look like Middle Earth. It doesn't look like Middle Earth." And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, guys! First, let's get this straight. It's a thousand years before. Yeah, the story of Lord of the Rings. Things are going to look different. Landscapes are going to look different. People mm. are going to look different, and also. As you know, from a kind of legality and, and production point of view, you're not going to want to just clone the looks of Peter Jackson's films because, A, you're not going to be allowed to do that legally. There's going to be some form of legal um, binding that prevents them from doing that. So it, it has to look different. Yeah. And also, I don't want a clone of, of Peter Jackson's Lord mm. of the Rings. I want something that looks different. And actually, it looks like the Middle Earth to me. Because, I mean, you know, they're filming in New Zealand, so they're going to have the backdrop that, that, that looks familiar. Even though it's going to be different locations, it's going to have a, uh, a comfort and a familiarity to it because it's going to kind of look like Middle Earth. Mm. And most of these places that we're going to be in either don't exist in the Third Age anymore because the landscapes change so much, um, yeah. or it's not actually on the continent where they are because Numenor was, a, you know, was an island that, is now, that has now disappeared and sunk into the sea. So, of course, things are going to look different. So I really, again, I don't understand this, this uh, criticism that, that certain, sectors, uh, certain sectors of the fandom are, are, are kind of moaning at. So, you know, I, I don't have time for that kind of thing because I think it's an absolute empty argument, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Yeah, I think the, the money and the care and the focus, the fact that film in New Zealand, again, I, I think they're, they're really putting a lot of effort and a lot of time into making sure this is good. I've got a good feeling about this. You know, the amount of money that Amazon has thrown into this series is staggering, and you know what they what the money they put into this show shows they have faith in doing something really, really good, and really in the spirit of of Tolkien and of the of the Lord of the Rings trilogy as well. So yeah, I'm I'm really um, hopeful for something pretty magical. I mean, we'll we'll know come November next this year if it, mm. if, it, if it's a bit disappointing or, or whether it's it, it hits the heights of. Uh, the Lord of the Rings, but uh, yeah, we shall see. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks fabulous, but of course, what we can't see from the trailer is is the writing any good? Is the story mm. any good? Is, are the characters and actors any good? So yeah. that's something we're going to have to wait until we actually see the show. So that's that's an anxiety that I have um, because I, because you know, me and you are also Wheel of Time fans. We you know we did a podcast on a on a different. We made this show about that. And I, you know, there are there are some valid criticisms to be made about the writing yeah. of that show and also some of the acting. So that's an anxiety that I have for the, you know, this this upcoming series. So, but we can't know that until we till we actually watch it. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, we, we've talked about the Rings of Power and all of Lord of the Rings. Um, next time we are going to do a bit of a deep dive, aren't we, into the Fellowship of the Ring? Kick off a three episode look back at. Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings movies before the Rings of Power starts in September. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, brilliant. So, in the meantime, Luke, where can people find you online if they want to talk Lord of the Rings or anything else with you? 
The best place to find me is my website, which is lootwinch.com. On there, you will find links to all the We Made This podcasts that I do. You'll also find uh, links to my book blog, where I review fantasy and sci-fi books and also publish a fortnightly blog. Uh, that My blog is also linked to a, a brilliant website called Before We Go Blog, which is a huge kind of uh, base camp for um, sci-fi and fantasy reviewers and authors. So there's lots to kind of look at there and uh if you're a lord of the rings fan or a fantasy fan then it's definitely worth a look fab yeah you can find me on uh twitter at Baz greenland like, like luke we're on various uh we made this podcasts and um as a writer myself i plug my book so i've just really had a, a short story how to negotiate with a sentient tree in shoreditch which is a doctor who <laughs> two short story featuring the benton brigadier from kanjar books so you can find that operation wildcat and, and other stories from kanjar books and also is my novel forward to the past another leftwich Stewart novel which you can find by going on to the kanjar website as well so thanks for joining us for another episode and remember we are part of the we made this podcast network please subscribe to one rules and more and give us a rating and review on apple podcasts and if you want to help our network please consider supporting us on patreon if you go to patreon.com forward slash we made this the law of the rings is not all we're discussing so give a taste of what else you might have missed on the network in a moment we'll be back shortly to discuss peter jackson's original lord of the rings movie trilogy before we head back into the second age of middle earth with the lord of the rings the rings of power on amazon prime until then remember Even the smallest person can change the course of the future. Elsewhere, and we made this. A dream given form. A Babylon 5 podcast. The isolationism is talked about a lot in the episode with this entire, but Londo's isolation is so heartbreaking to watch. Their final scene of dialogue together between Londo and Jakar is it's so, so, so powerful. When Jakar says, I can't forgive this entire, but I can forgive you. And that music, as long touches Jakar's yeah. arm and leaves, gives me goosebumps. It's, it's so beautifully done. I, I'm not going to lie that I, I kind of welled up when um, mm. when Jakar forgave him. It really does. Yeah. It really does get me. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a very sad story. And, and but, that, but, that, but that's what makes Londo's journey such a captivating journey to watch throughout the five mm. seasons. free with this month's issue this is skin lab and dissolve yep that f***ing riff man. what a track so good i love that lyric as well i'm disappointed that he didn't write it himself did he not no which one it's not what they call it's what you answer to is a wc uh, Beatles quote i've just looked it up yeah oh i quite like that even more now for a second there i thought you were going to say it was a wcw quote <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh sting coming out <laughs> yeah Bit of that Eric Bischoff um, in, in the middle of the ring. Um, yeah, let's re record it. And Ian, if you could just say that, that'd yeah, be fantastic. Sure. Uh, to, uh, <laughs> um, 
But no, I love this. It's uh, it's definitely Machine Head influence, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're from uh, yeah. they're from San Francisco, so which isn't a million, million miles away from the Bay Area, of course. But, uh, yeah, like, there's a bit of uh, Far Beyond Driven era Pantera in there as well, particularly with the the deep low voice in the verses. Oh yeah. Geek polymath. So what is it about RuPaul's Drag Race that particularly appeals to you over everything else that you could possibly <laughs> like in geek culture? It's it's impossible to narrow it down to one thing because it's literally everything about it is everything that I like. So you've got legitimate competition because nine times out of ten, the loser is the one who does the worst. So one of the problems with reality, reality TV is that they keep the controversial people in and they send home the boring people. That's something that happens mm. around you and it, it becomes quite disappointing. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.